0: If you have your Bible, go to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are starting a series called Wild Goose. For which Pastor Marty looked at me and said, isn't that a whiskey? I said, bro, that's, that's wild turkey. That's probably a different series. So this was, a, this was something I wrote down probably a decade, even maybe close to 12, 13 years ago, I wrote down an idea because I came across a, a Celtic statement that described the Holy Spirit. This came from hundreds of years ago where they called the Holy Spirit a wild goose. In other words, they looked at the Spirit of God and they said the Spirit of God can't be tracked or tamed. There's, there's this level of unpredictability and yet passion. And so they called the Holy Spirit, a wild goose. I can think of a lot of other animals to maybe attribute the spirit of God to, but apparently wild goose is what they refer to as the Holy Spirit, so I wrote that down years ago. Been wanting to do a series on the Holy Spirit, just call, call it wild goose. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever been attacked by a goose before? Anybody besides me have ever been attacked? Oh, there's a few of us. Some of you think like geese are a little bit tame. Uh, we got brought into, where was it? It was Holland, Michigan. And Ann and I were brought in to do a marriage conference for a church. So we stopped off as this, this, like, little windmill. I know, Holland, Michigan, windmill, big, you know, big deal. We stopped over, checking out these little shops. And all of a sudden, like, I hear this hissing behind me, like a demon being exercised. And I turn, and it's this goose waddling toward me, this largest thing coming toward me, hissing at me and nipping at me. So I ran inside the store, I'm like, I'm like ma'am, there's a goose attacking people. She goes, oh, that's just what he does. <laughs> well, shoot it or something. Like, oh, no, 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 no. For you PETA people, I apologize. But <laughs> a wild goose, unpredictable, untamable, unexpected. Passion, excitement, pursuits. Really, the more you think about it, you understand that it actually might be a more apropos term to understand the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word today? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Get my Bible here. I apologize. I wasn't more ready. Simply says this, reading out of the ESV translation. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost ends of the earth. You have to read that with passion. You cannot read this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You've gotta read this like a Pentecostal. You will receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You don't read it that way. You've never caught the Spirit, pun intended, of the message that Jesus is speaking. How do we know Jesus is speaking? It's written in red. This little Bible uh, help for you. So today, let's pray. Lord, we ask that the same power that you spoke about, the same power that we have read about in Scripture, the same power that we see that's being used to reach the world would be released in this room to capture our attention, to capture our hearts, to capture our lives, that we would see you in a different way, that we would be empowered to do more than just have a great service and a moment with you on a Sunday, but we would be empowered to transform this world, not by our own abilities, not by our own talents, but by you, Holy Spirit, so we recognize your presence. And we invite you, not into this room, you're already here. We invite you to take the lead. We invite you in these rooms, these hearts, these lives, Lord, that we would walk away differently than the way we walked in. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I love talking about the Holy Spirit because for us, uh, maybe charismatics in the room, for those of us that grew up in Pentecostal tradition, uh, this is the stuff that we love. And for those that did not grow up into this, you feel a little bit uneasy because like what's this guy going to do today? And my thing is this, it's way too often in the American church that we look at God as more our ticket to get out of hell rather than the open door for abundant life. That Jesus wants to do more than just save your soul. And believe me, that's a big deal. I want you to be saved. I, need, I, I want you to be saved. I want to flood heaven with souls. But I want you to understand that if you think that's the extent for which God wants to work in your life, we, you have sold him short. Because if you assume you have all that God has for you, you will not seek all that he offers. If you're just assuming, well, I've raised my hand and I prayed a prayer and last week, I thought it was seven, I found out that a young man gave his heart to Christ last week and he wants to get baptized, so he's getting baptized at the end of this month. If you have not been baptized, y'all gotta get baptized. Get baptized in immersion. Well, pastor, I got sprinkled as a kid. I celebrate that, that's wonderful. But if you are a believer, you've made a decision... To follow Jesus as a teenager, as an adult, as a child. I think it's important to follow Jesus' lead and to be baptized in full immersion. And so often we stop, though, with the lifting up the hand. We stop with that one commitment. God has more for you, and it's through His Spirit. And that's what brings us to the book of Acts. I mean, Acts chapter 2, if you're a preacher and you can't preach Acts chapter 2, I'm just going to tell you, you have to find a different gig you got to be able to preach Acts chapter 2. It is such a pivotal chapter. There's so much depth and there's so much importance. Why? It is the hinge on the door of what has happened in the church. Because you have this group of people that are following Jesus and they have followed him to the place where he has ascended into the heavens and he says, go and wait, and they wait. And unless they wait, the rest of the New Testament doesn't happen. This is how pivotal it is. So before we really get into Acts chapter 2 and really dive into Acts chapter 1 verses 8 for which we just read, we got to actually go back a little bit further in the John chapter 14 because Jesus says something that's going to give us a huge key into what we're going to deal with today. Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 12, truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, that's the type of scripture that can get people really riled up in a very good way. Jesus says, greater things y'all going to do when I am gone. Which means that we as the church, we could do greater things. Greater things ought to be happening in us. Greater things ought to be happening through us. Somebody say amen. It's way too quiet in this place we got to be a people of the Spirit. And Jesus says, you're going to do greater things. And listen, if you can't preach that without getting shouts, you're preaching to an empty room. Because I want to see the greater happen in this church. I want to see amazing things happen in this body and through this body. But really, when you start identifying what Jesus exactly said, that's what makes people think, mm, maybe not so much. Because Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I've done. And we start saying, well, that's man, we, we, we could preach that. We can teach that. And then you start thinking, what are the things that Jesus did? He healed blind eyes. Caused the lame to walk. The mute to speak. The deaf to hear. People that stopped cheering for the Dallas Cowboys. He delivered people from demons. He saved people. He he turned water into wine. You're like, oh, preach more about that. That's probably for the wild turkey series coming up another day. Jesus tells them the what? You're going to do greater things. Then now, get over to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He uh, he gives us the how that's going to happen. It's like, listen, I told you they're going to do greater works, but guess what? You don't have to do it by yourselves because you can't do it by yourselves. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We can struggle. Many people struggle to believe that God still does miracles. And I believe that people that have truly believed that God stopped doing miracles have never really truly tasted of the depth of what the Spirit of God does in our lives. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. But he wants to use you. And he gave us the how he's going to use us. He's going to give us his power. In the Greek language, we get the word dunamis. And if you've heard this preached before, you've heard preachers talk about dynamite. The word dunamis, we get the word dynamite. But quite often, we think think of explosive power and that it is. But I think we've actually sold it short for what it really means. Because the word dunamis, that word power in the Greek language, really means the power to do. Not the power to sit in a service. Not the power to endure Pastor Dave's preaching no amens hallelujah for that (laughs) not simply the power to put up with our spouse the power to the parent but he gave us power to do to do what to go into this world It seems quite often we as Pentecostals, we love preaching. We will be given power when the Spirit comes upon you and we stop right there. But I want you to know, we have sold the Spirit short if we stop right there. He did not come to bedazzle our services with giftings during the service. I'm here to tell you, I've done the math, and I think it's correct math in this one, that when it comes to our Sunday services, if you come to all 52 weeks, which all of you do not, guess what, I take vacations too. I'm not here 52 weeks out of the year. But thank you for that. That's an employee of mine. We'll deal with that one later. <laughs> that threw me off. I don't even know what I was talking about anymore. You're going to receive power to do more than just show up. And so when we show up, we spend approximately an hour and 15 minutes. Let's stretch it to an hour and a half. If it would take 52 weeks times an hour and a half, that means you spend almost 1% of your year here. Not even 1%. But the problem is, is we preach or teach or believe that the Spirit of God was sent so that we can have really good services. And I'm here to say, I hope that God did not give us a Spirit for 1% of our life. He gave us the Spirit that we would go and be powerful to do life outside of these four walls we are here on mission and if we want to see this this city saved, we want to see this county saved. we want to see revival take place in our country it's not from us showing up and having a good service it's letting the spirit of God impact our lives so that we can go lead powerful lives because it's not our abilities that will transform people it will be by the spirit of God We need a move of the Spirit of God. We don't need more preaching, and I love preaching. We don't need more songs, and I love our worship team. But what we need is lives that are so full of the Holy Ghost that wherever they go, that they are witnesses of who Jesus is in their lives. That's what we need. It's the key to transformation. This move of the Spirit was so deep in the first century that it carried over a few hundred years, so much to the point. Now, you remember in the Scriptures where the disciples would ask Jesus, tell us when you're going to establish your kingdom. What they were asking is, we are being oppressed by Rome. When are you going to lead the revolt like the Maccabees to overtake our oppressors, to overdo them, and to put our people in office, to put our people in all, in all of the positions of political power. When are you going to restore the nation? And so they wanted Jesus to do it with might. They wanted Jesus to do it with affluence and influence. They wanted Jesus to do it in their way. And Jesus said, I've got a different way and a better way that's not your way. And when Jesus sent the Spirit, it began to transform hearts so much That not only did it take 120 people in the upper room, all who were hiding from the empire, turned their lives upside down. Peter, the guy who denied Jesus three times, stands up on that day, and he proclaims 3,000 people come to know Christ in that moment, and then they're baptized. By the way, you gotten saved, you all got to get baptized at the end of this month. I'm going to keep reminding you. From there... Christianity began to spread like wildflower, wildflowers, there we go, it's a new series, wildflowers, began to spread like wildfire going all over the area and in two centuries all of a sudden Christianity, the move of the spirit was so thick that Constantine, the emperor of the oppressive Rome, saw what God had been doing and said that Christianity is now the national religion of Rome. That's how much it spread. And that may sound great. That may sound awesome. But here's the kicker. Here's what happened. It's because all of a sudden it was pronounced from the political side, Christians begin to back away. Because now we've got a position of power. Now this is what our president, this is what our leader did. This is what our leader said. And all of a sudden instead of being people who sought the spirit of God, now that it's in the government, now we're going to let the government do what the church's job should have been done the whole time. I'm here to say this. Do as a Christian, should you be involved in politics? Go for it. Be involved. Run for office. Please vote. For Pete's sake, please vote. And by the way, be kind while you vote. Have you ever been in line with people? They act like they're admired. They're angry at everybody. Be involved in politics. I would love to see Christ followers that are in instrumental and and, and, and very specific roles within our government. I'd love to see Christ followers. But I'm here to say the answer to America, the answer to our nation, the answer to our world is not getting our people in the right office because I'm here to say it was never the government's position to ever bring change to this world. That's the work of the Spirit of God. Because governments come, governments go. But the Spirit of God will remain and work. And if we want to see a revival across our nation. Yes, vote. Yes, run. But what we need is a move of the Spirit of God amongst the church to sweep across this world. That's what we need. And this has baffled historians over years of what is going on with Christians. How did it spread? I came across this great quote by Kenneth Scott Latteret back in the 70s from Yale University. He says this, the more one examines the various factors ...which seem to account for the extraordinary victory of Christianity... ...the more one is driven to search for the cause... ...underlining them all. It is clear at the very beginning of Christianity... ...there must have occurred a vast release of energy... ...virtually unequal in history. And without it, the future course of the religion is inexplicable. Why this occurred may lie outside the realm of modern historians... ...who are supposed to move... We know exactly what the, what the release of energy was, don't we? It was the Holy Spirit. Historically, we can't explain it. Their leader died. What spreads after their leader died? Well, heads up, bro. He raised from the dead. And after he raised from the dead, he brought his people unto himself and said, You're going to receive power when the Spirit of God comes to you. And what they did in Acts chapter 2 is they listened to Jesus... And they went into this upper room, and they began to wait upon the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 14. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, they came from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Both Jews and proselytes, Christians and, 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 and Ara, uh, Arabians, 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 well, I got issues today. Thank you. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and they were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But others were mocking saying, "But they're filled with new wine." But Peter, standing with, with the 11, lifted them up, lifted up his voice and addressed men of Judah who dwell in Jerusalem, "Let it be known to you and I give, I give ear to my words. And divided tongues, and for some reason, when I copy and paste it in here, it literally went all over the place. And so I've got verse 3, verse 5, verse 11. I'm going to read it from up here, if that would. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout from every nation under heaven. And the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans. And how is it that we hear each in his own native language? There's a list of countries right there. Go to the next slide. (laughs) We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked them, and saying, They were filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed, The men of Jerusalem, all who dwell, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. Why this copy and paste it in my notes? Weird, I do not know. Here, in this series, I can't give you every detail of the Holy Spirit. We're going to attempt to give you a lot of details of the Holy Spirit, a lot of understanding of the Holy Spirit. But I want to help break some things down to help you understand the Holy Spirit is active and he wants to operate in you. So just three quick points for today, and then we'll wrap up. Three quick points. Number one, write this down. The Holy Spirit compels us to look back. The Holy Spirit compels us to look back. Verse 1 says, it was on the day of Pentecost that this took place. That is a very, very specific thing. Why? The day of Pentecost in, the, in Jewish history was a very particular thing that, that was celebrated. They didn't get the name of Pentecost because the Spirit of God fell. The Pentecost came from a celebration that they had done over the course of years and decades. Pentecost meant two things. Number one, this is really cool. Pentecost was a time where Israel came together to celebrate, and before they did the full harvest, they would do a partial miniature harvest for which they would take the first fruits, the first fruits of the harvest, and they would bring it together, and they would taste the first fruits. Why? It was their way to pull in and taste what was to come. They wanted, they wanted to get that sweet taste of the first things that came from the fields. The first things to be born from the fields. And it was their way to taste the sweetness of the fruit. The sweetness of the vegetable. The sweetness of what was, what was taken. And it told them that more is coming. And they would celebrate. If this is sweet. If this is beautiful. If this is wonderful. How much better is it going to be at harvest time? Is there not a more strategic time that Jesus chose? To send the Spirit to say, listen, what you're going to get is a tasting of what is to come. Your lives are going to be transformed, but guess what from this? There is a harvest that's going to come because of the outpouring of the first fruits. The first fruits took place in the upper room. And after that, we begin to see what has happened. And we call that the harvest. And the second reason why Pentecost existed was not just the tasting of first fruits, but it was also the place... Where God gave Israel his law. It's there that he said, you are my people. And I am yours. Pentecost became not just a place for the tasting of the spirit of God. But it became the place where God said, you are my church. This is my church now. You're my people. And the church was birthed and went into all the world. And listen, they went into their, the world not in their own abilities... I'm here to say the church was never meant to live just within their abilities. You are never meant to live within your abilities. Every single one of us have talents. We have abilities. We have personalities, things that we're gifted with. But the church was never meant to live in its own abilities. We were meant to live beyond it. How do we do it? Through the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God makes us look back and recognize that God wants to not just give us a taste, but when he gives us the Spirit, it's to say, listen, I'm going to give you something, and there's more that's coming with it. And he does it to set you apart as his people. So we look back. Number two, the Holy Spirit compels us to look in. We look back, and secondly, he compels us to look in. Many times I like to ask the question, what do you think of the Holy Spirit And it gets quiet. Because when we talk about the Trinity, we talk about the Father, and most people when they think of God the Father, they're cool with God the Father, they know God the Father. There are a few people that I've met, numbers of people that have talked to me, that have said because of abusive or absentee fathers, they've struggled with thinking of God as a Father. And so there's just beautiful and healing moments and conversations of God the Father. Uh, Most people have no problem with the Son. They know Jesus, they love Jesus, they love that He died and He rose again, He gives them new life. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we treat the Holy Spirit like the crazy uncle That shows up at Thanksgiving. Oh, if he shows up, we don't even know what's going to happen. So don't invite him. Do you ever have those family get togethers where you know somebody didn't get invited? Welcome to my family. It happens. But we treat the Holy Spirit like the crazy uncle. But if we invite him into the service, we don't know what's going to happen. He may do something that will spook somebody. That's where we get the term Holy Ghost. We think he's going to spook somebody. He's going to scare somebody away. But I grow so tired of marginal things that have happened in the name of the Holy Spirit that has scared us off from seeking the Holy Spirit. I had had heard a, a, a tale about a farmer that a farmer was having an issue with crows in his cornfield. Crows were coming in and just picking at his harvest and constantly tearing it up. And he set up a scarecrow and the scarecrow didn't work. And so he did something that may seem a little bit gruesome was he caught a crow and he killed it and he hung it up in the fields. And when he hung it up in the fields, hanging up that crow up there scared off the rest of the crows and didn't have another crow problem. What I think has happened in the church of Jesus Christ is marginalized weird moments that has that have that has happened in the name of the holy spirit whether you saw it on some televangelist on TV or maybe in your church something weird took place where somebody let's just be real if somebody is weird with the holy spirit they were probably weird before the holy spirit But there are some individuals that have taken liberties that were not of God and they have freaked you out and they have now, whenever you hear of the Holy Spirit or hear talk of the Holy Spirit, you see that it's just a dead crow hanging and you want to back away and not be a part of something. I'm so sick of the marginalized having their say because that's what the devil has done, that when you hear the Spirit of God begin to be be preached about or talked about, we're going to talk about the gifts in a second, all of a sudden you get a little bit queasy, you get a little bit antsy, you're getting a little bit shaky. It's like, oh, my word, what's Pastor Dave going to get us to do? I'm here to say, let's take the dead crows down off the pole. Let's take the funky things down from the pole that me not were of God. Somebody in the moment took advantage of the moment and it scared you or scarred you or made you nervous. We're taking the dead crows down, and we say, God, you be lifted up. Because when Jesus came, he came to establish not just salvation, he came to also establish his presence on this Earth. That's where we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit that took place in the book of Acts. and Peter told the crowd that this baptism is not just for us, it's for you and your children and your children's children and children and all who are all called, who are far off. The spirit of God is for all, and He is still for today. I'm here to say that the power of God that worked in the New Testament didn't stop working at Revelation chapter 22. He is still working today, and he wants to work in your life. Man, the what? You're going to do greater things. The how? You're going to receive power. What's going to happen? He's going to come down and begin to work through your life. So, just would you put up that slide for the gifts? We've got different gifts that, that, are, being, that are, are listed out in Scripture, like in Romans 12 the gift of encouragement, giving, uh, leadership, what should be leadership, um, or their ship. Maybe it's a boat gift. That's the saying right there. Mercy, prophecy, service—my uh, favorite. First Corinthians 12: administration, discernment, healing, interpretation of tongues, tongues, prophecy, wisdom, apost- uh, being an apostle, faith, um, helps, knowledge, miracles, teaching. Go to the next slide. Uh, the gifts given in, in Ephesians chapter 4, the gifts of being an apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, First Peter, serving and teaching. I guess some of you, you're really cool with a few of them, but some of you, you saw the T word up there, and immediately you just got chills, and they're multiplying. Some of y'all will get that in a second. You see the word tongues, and immediately you're sweating like your Pastor Dave preaching right now. Like, what's he going to make us do? I'm here to say the Spirit of God is not spooky and kooky. He's not the Adams family, He's not here to freak you out. The Spirit of God has not come to make us strange. He has come to make us powerful. He has come to endue us with power that from us, gifts of the Spirit would flow from our lives and transform people, not just on Sunday, but wherever we would go. That God wants to utilize you, to fill you, to baptize you so much that wherever you go in this world, that he wants to use you to touch a life. Boy, I can give you countless stories of people in Walmart. For some reason, God moves in Walmart. God needs to move in Walmart. Let's be real. And I've heard countless stories from individuals. I remember one in particular. It's like he walked by somebody, and God gave a word of—it's called the word of knowledge—in that moment. And the Holy Spirit says, "Go back and tell this person this—that it's going to be okay." That. That I want, guy, God want to heal their life. And he's like, oh, this is the kitty litter aisle. There's no way. No, this is weird. This is odd. This, and he starts walking away. It's like the spirit of God gripped him, and he couldn't let it go. So he walks up, and he's like, listen, ma'am, I'm, this may seem odd. This seems weird. I know we're shopping for kitty litter and everything, but I feel like God wants me to tell you something that it's going to be okay, that God wants to heal. And all of a sudden, she just crumbles. Why? Because her husband just left her. And in that moment... He begins to speak faith. And in the kitty litter of Isle of Walmart, Ty not just prays for this individual. But all of a sudden, faith begins to fill her because the gift of faith was utilized. The gift of knowledge was given in the moment. And in the middle of the kiddie aisle of Walmart, someone gives their heart to Christ. All of a sudden, they begin to get on the road to healing. They're showing up, and they're now a part of a body, and their life has changed, and their life is filled because the Spirit of God was moving. And somebody decided, I'm going to open up my life, and the gifts are going to be welcomed in my life. We've gotta be a people that need to walk, that crave to walk in the Spirit of God. And I want you to understand something. The gifts of the Spirit are not tools in our hands, but rather through them we are a tool in God's hands. Some of us think, that the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit are our golf bag. That we walk around, what tool am I going to use today? And we begin to make our identities around those tools. I'm here to say, God did not download His Spirit into you so that He can be the ringleader in your circle or your circus of weirdness that you've created. He's not coming to your life just to be the, the ringmaster in all of the giftings. He has come to utilize you as a tool in His hands. To utilize you, to bless people, to bring people to know who you are, to, to who Jesus is, and I'm here to say, well, well, Pastor, isn't that weird? That's not weird. The Spirit of God is here to be practical, not weird. Do you know what's weird? Ignoring the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's weird? Pushing away the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's weird? Spirit of God is speaking to us, and we ignore somebody because we think it might be awkward. Well, pastor, sometimes the Spirit of God does things that make me uncomfortable. It doesn't mean it's weird. Sometimes it just means we're not used to walking in step with the Spirit like that. Every gift the Spirit of God does and works through our life, let me say this, will ultimately make us more, look more like Jesus and will build the kingdom of God. The gifts are here. We're going to dive more into the gift. We'll get more into stuff in the next few weeks. But God wants to fill you in such a way that the gifts will flow. And it's not unnatural, it is supernatural. That he will begin to stretch you, he will begin to grow you. Why? Because at number three, worship band, I need you to come help me shut up. Number three, the Holy Spirit compels us to look out. We look back, we look in, and the Holy Spirit compels us to look out. Jesus told the disciples to wait. Why wait? Because at this point they were scared. There was no boldness. There was no boldness. There was no fearlessness. In fact, Jesus appeared to over 500 people, Scripture says. And by the time the Spirit of God fell down, is what we kind of call it, there's only 120 left. And it's there the Spirit of God hits them with power. And all of a sudden, Peter comes out of that. The same man who denied Jesus postures Peter's heart. Just stop worrying about what other people are going to think. It begins to worry about what is God's plan. And he begins to speak out and thousands come to know Jesus. Let us never be a church that stops Acts chapter 1 verse 8. They shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Let us never become a church that says we stop at the power. That's That's the great spot. That's the sexy spot. That's the good spot. We're going to stop at power. We want power. We want power. We want power. And we have to recognize that Jesus did not give us power for great services. And we have great services. But God gave us power to do something. To go somewhere. The gifts of the Spirit are not there to just simply give us power to make a name. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to make a name for Jesus. He gives you the power to go and to not just receive but to give and He fills you so that you give and then He refills you so that you give now this thing of self-care nowadays, and I'm not against self-care, but when people say, I gotta pull back, I just gotta take care of myself, I gotta take care of myself. When you're doing self-care in order just to help fill yourself, that's called selfishness. That's not self-care. Because you were never designed just to self-care for yourself. You were designed to be a vessel that were not just that, that was to be filled, but only filled in order to pour out. So when we come to Christ. We come to Christ, and I'm just going to tell you that we are filled. We come to Christ, we're the vessels that get filled. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. But I love that on the day of Pentecost, they were already filled. They already had faith in Jesus, but we have what we call the outpouring. Now, years ago, I had this thing with Diet Pepsi. By the way, when I drank regular pop, Coke over Pepsi. When I got the diet, Pepsi over Coke. I got a lot of enemies I just made in this room right now. But I would start off every single morning before I went to the office. I'd grab one of those 44 ounces of Diet Pepsi. Then I would go to probably McDonald's and drink a number of refills of Diet, diet there. And then on my way home for, to the office after lunch, I'd grab another 44-ouncer of Diet Pepsi. And then at 3 o'clock, I would head out of the office, go grab another 44-ouncer. And then at night, I would drink a two-liter. I, I had issues for a while. <sighs> but I had such a rapport at Speedway there in Midland that I would stick my cup underneath the fountain and get distracted and all of a sudden, you know, the hand is just being poured over of Diet Pepsi just going everywhere. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I tell you this? Not once did I have an overfill of my cup for which root beer came out. Why? Because I put Diet Pepsi in there. Root beer isn't going to come out. You only spill over what you've been filled with. some of you what is spilling over you're like where did that come from it's what you've been filling with but on the day of Pentecost they're all together in one place and what happened is God didn't come and just fill empty vessels he just became, he just came in and just began to and begin to pour 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 to the place that all they were doing was spilling out of what God is pouring and what we need in this world are not Christians that just kind of get their fill and go out in this world we need believers that will just say come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit I want to spill over that when I go to work tomorrow, I'm spilling over. When I go to the restaurant today and I give a good tip, that I'm spilling over. I'm on a walk, I'm spilling over. I'm in a kitty little aisle at Walmart, I'm spilling over. That when I hear of a friend that's going through a troubled time, I don't just simply send thoughts and prayers. And believe me, we should ought to pray for them. That should be the first response. But that we begin to listen to the Spirit of God. God, do you, have, do you give me a word for them? Or maybe here somebody has got a diagnosis, and we have, you ought to pray for them. But maybe, maybe the Spirit of God will say, I need you to go pray for them right now. Oh, Pastor, what if they don't get healed in that moment? Listen, God's not asking you for a result. He's asking you for obedience but we need to spill over we need to spill over we need to spill over some of you are worried about how far I'm going to go with this but the problem is this some of you have that same thing with the Holy Spirit but how far is he going to take it Pastor Dave till none perish till none perish It may threaten your status with individuals. That's good. They need the status of Jesus more than your status. And so today, we are beginning a wild goose chase. We're going to chase the Spirit of God, and we're going to discover something He's already been chasing after you. So Holy Spirit, we say you're welcome. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome here, Lord. Holy Spirit, forgive us for recognizing the Father and the Son and not recognizing you. And we say, Lord, God, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in this place, in these hearts.